there's often an emphasis on emptiness in non-duality. It's not really an emptiness as in a lack or an absence. Yeah, yeah. It's an empty fullness or a full emptiness. And of course, each of those concepts, fullness and emptiness, they sort of cancel themselves out in a way. It's like nothingness is full of potentiality. Yeah. This emptiness is full of possibility, unthinkable, countless manifestations from and of that emptiness are possible. Like you say, it's, it's so full, isn't it? It's full of life, full of potential. So to call it em- emptiness in our usual understanding isn't quite right. Empty of thingness, isn't it? Yeah. And we can define a thing as limited, restricted, permanent. That's a thing. A glass is a thing because glass, you know, there's a definite glassness about it. And there's a sense of like, oh, it's permanent. If I sit here and watch it, it's not, it's not dissolving into nothing. Zoom out as far as you can and that little thing disappears into the infinite. It's a, a finite manifestation just sparking in just momentarily. It's only our interpretation of that form that makes it appear sort of solid and permanent. It's only a thing from this current perception with our ideas of time. It's an idea really, isn't it? That something is a thing. It's all a, it's all a matter of focus. As Nisargadatta said, he said, it's all a matter of focus. Your focus is on your little world while my focus is on reality because he sees himself as reality, not identifying himself as a person looking out into reality and therefore constructing a personal world. But I am reality and I'm looking at myself and I'm also not acknowledging that that is a dualistic statement. The beautiful play of that capacity that we seem to have in this temporary manifestation where we can look in the mirror as the infinite, we can create this rich experience where there's so much stuff (laughs) it's so full for the purpose maybe of knowing ourselves but something along the way happens where we forget that we're doing that to know ourselves and then we we identify with these little specks of awareness and think oh i am this i am the body my little world with all my possessions and we forget that actually we're it all with the whole thing and for the purpose of self, self-knowledge, self, self-realization of, of self-recognition, of remembering that which we are. And we're doing all this dance of duality to know ourselves. How did I ever think that I was this body? Like that I was just this body. That's gotta be where all the problems begin, isn't it? When we think that we're this body, because we're susceptible to everything then. This is not me, this is a part of me. It's kind of like the hand thinking it's just the end of the little finger. And then realizing, oh, I'm actually part of a hand. And and then going back even further and going, oh, I'm part of a body. And then going back further than that going, I'm part of a whole planet. It's just a functioning of the ultimate, using these little sense organs to to know itself as uh, separate others. And the game seems to be that there's a sort of blindness to it. Like we think we are these bodies and therefore that's kind of a good way for it to know itself because we have identified with these bodies and therefore we think that we're talking to another person. 
on one level that's kind of the game we're playing but it's, it is helpful to come come out of that game and realize what you really are especially if it's causing suffering i don't think it's necessary to suffer as much as we do when really we can we've just it's just a mistaken identity isn't it just to mistake ourselves with just these this little person it's all sort of playing out by itself these feelings and thoughts and even the actions that this body is taking aren't personal like it's all like just appearing and you can put a story to it of cause and effect if you like to but you if you go to use cause and effect but um, you're going to have to take it all the way back to the beginning of the universe, really. So there is no cause and effect, which is personal. I'm just witnessing. We are the witness, but we, we've mistaken ourselves for the doer as well. There's thoughts and desires and feelings and fears and stuff that pop up. Why would I ever choose to have these feelings and stuff pop up that are overwhelmingly strong, like that almost decide to take the body down a particular path like where am i in all of that you know i can't help can't but be the one watching it all it's not like you can do spontaneity or effortlessness it doesn't require the little me uh, but you can notice spontaneity you can notice effortlessness and that can be a practice even just a, a mini experiment just to notice, oh, the body's moving itself right now. It's, it's moving its hands and its head. The mind is coming up with thoughts and words. It's, there seems to be this flow of words. Who is noticing this behavior? Well, it's, not, it's always awareness, obviously. There's always, you know, I'm aware. That is always there. So it's, there's always that. But, but if, I'm invest, if I'm watching and I'm invested in what's happening, then there's, that's a slight ego position. Whereas there's a difference when I've experienced awareness by itself. Yeah. In um, his book, Shift Into Freedom by Locke Kelly, he says the small sense of self feels separate and this location makes us feel contracted, isolated and in our heads. The experience of opening up during the process of awakening first brings spaciousness, emptiness and freedom. These qualities can then be followed by embodiment, oneness, fullness, unity, and flow. In our journey of awakening, the sense of no self is a freedom from a specific place of viewing. We can feel infinite everywhere, nowhere, here and now. If we just wake up by deconstructing or transcending the mini-me, we can end up in a gap that feels like negative emptiness. This can seem like a scary transition and there can be a rebound effect that sends us back into the mini-me. But when we shift into awake awareness, our perception returns to its natural way of seeing. We discover a positive emptiness that is not just an absence, but a living presence, an open mind, a safe space, a new ground of being. With awake awareness as our ground of being, we begin to have an entirely new relationship with our issues, subpersonalities, thoughts, and emotions. So awakening is the shift into the direct experience of a fuller reality that had previously been obscured by ignorance and delusion. Transcending the mini-me, as he called it, isn't the end. Then it's rediscovering presence, an open mind, a safe space, a new ground of being, being grounded in that natural state 
Yes. There's, a, there's more of a capacity of noticing that spontaneity, effortlessness, and no doership. It's very tempting to write books about that kind of stuff, though, isn't it? Because you can see, you, you can almost... You can almost say, oh, how have, I, how have I done this? Let me save this. Let me write this down. Yeah, I mean, I resonate with um, this Sargad Artin mm. in I Am That. He says, independence is the end of spiritual practice. To realize independence, that all that happens, happens in and to the mind, and not to the source that you are. You could say, and this is dualistic language, that you are separate from what is happening that it's happening in and to the mind and not to you because you're not the mind. Of course, ultimately, there is no split between mind and the source of the mind. The mind is just one manifestation of what you are. It's not what you are, nor is the body. Uh, ultimately, what you are, it's just one display of what you are, one, one presentation. Uh, you are the body, you are the mind, but you're not confined to those things, not restricted to those things infinitely more than the mind and body to realize independence is the end of spiritual practice and seeking even in everyday mindfulness uh, you hear about getting some healthy detachment or um, some space between thoughts and you but it still predisposes that there is a you to have thoughts and um, in non-duality the you is made of thought oh, yeah how can a thought get space from itself um the mind just seems like this supercomputer sponge that absorbs experiences and creates new experiences out of them, creates a storyline, creates a meanness within it. Just the fact that that whole thing is able to be watched shows that that's not who you are, essentially. There's nothing that's not you. And so therefore, it may as well not be you. <laughs> you come to the same conclusion. Uh, where nothing is really happening because you are only ever experiencing yourself um, or you're experiencing, you know, watching the mind, which is, it, well, it's got a mind of its own, isn't it? Yeah. So this human life is a flow of experience. It's a succession of events. And then memory creates this illusion of continuity and solidity and self. Memory creates the illusion of permanency without the mind there can be no experience so really the mind is experiencing itself when an experience happens beyond the the witnessing minds there's consciousness that witnesses the witnessing mind and all of what the mind witnesses so consciousness is the witness is the observer the best kind of meditation is to be in that consciousness sit in your own beingness abide as consciousness abide as the witness and then witness that witnessing witness the witnessing of the witnessing keep receding back the best goal i suppose it could be said of meditation is just to sit within your own being within your own consciousness and you never lose what you are thinking flows through the, the truth of what you are thought is not a problem in that sense it's all spontaneous thoughts are being created and perpetuated automatically and you're just somehow well the consciousness that you are some is somehow jumping onto those thoughts and creating a, a me out of those thoughts but they're spontaneous just like you don't identify with your digestion really or your hair growth or the pumping of the blood through the body 